Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 14th. You're listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. February 14th is a rather interesting day from a couple of perspectives in that uh, most of us uh, think immediately of St. Valentine's Day. And it is indeed St. Valentine's Day. However, it is also the feast of St. Cyril and Methodius. And there's an interesting reason for that in that uh, St. Valentine uh, was removed from the calendar uh, for the Roman Rite of the Catholic Church in 1969, mainly because there's a lot of, uh, well, there's not a lot known really about who St. Valentine really was, who the real St. Valentine was. There are a couple of things that we do know about the, the man that was Saint, we call St. Valentine. One is that he, uh, he was a bishop, and uh, he, he uh, was uh, challenged by a judge in the area to uh, promote Christianity to him. And uh, the judge said that he would believe in Christianity if St. Valentine could heal his daughter of blindness. Well, St. Valentine laid his hands on the girl, and she was healed of that blindness, and the judge and his whole family was baptized, and uh, there were 44 people that were baptized because of that, and he was a great proponent of uh, Christianity after that point. The other thing that we we know fairly well for certain is that St. Valentine then, or the Valentine at that time, was in Rome and uh, under the reign of Claudius, and... uh, that at that point in time, uh, Claudius required that his soldiers be single because the thought process was that a single man had fewer worries and was probably going to be, be a little bit more valiant uh, in battle. And to, to help men not have to go to war, uh, Claudius, or pardon me, Valentine would marry couples so that the men would be exempt from military service. He got, this got him in trouble, as well as his uh, proclamation of the gospel to Claudius, trying to convert Claudius, which he didn't have any success with. Valentine's death itself was done in three steps. Uh, first thing they did was they, they, they uh, see, I'm, I'm lost here. He, he was beat, beaten uh, and uh, with clubs, and he was beheaded, and it just went... It, it was a really difficult situation there, and but Valentine has been uh, p- promoted by a lot of people. Now let's go to Saint Cyril and Methodius. <laughs> and and by the way, Happy Saint Valentine's Day, dear. Thank you. Not dear. you, Gene. Oh, yes, my dear too. <laughs> <laughs> Since we have the airwaves to say so, we can say Saint Valentine. That's that's not quite the story that you were sharing. The, the Hallmark cards and the no chocolates and no, flowers. No, so. I mean it's it's a little it, different. It's uh, some of that has kind of been usurped by the world, sort of like Christmas <laughs> has been attempted to be usurped. Yes, Saint Cyril and the Methodius were a pair of brothers that were in uh, Byzantium or Constantinople area, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the the uh, the uh, the folks in Moravia, which would be current day Czechoslovakia, Bohemia had requested that someone come and teach Christianity there in preparation for this. And what they wanted is they wanted somebody that could teach them uh, in their own Slavic language. So Cyril and Methodius then became the apostles to the Slavs. How about that? Yeah. And that's not the Slavs like 
because we don't know who the apostle to the Slobs were, but we do know that Cyril and Methodius were the apostle to the Slobs. Well, whoever that is, it's near and dear to my heart. I so, understand. Well, we have a, a wonderful volunteer that's helped us uh, off and on through the years, Katarina Soykova. Yes. She is our wonderful uh, Slav. Yes, she is. Yeah, we're very happy for her to be able to help our station. So she's on the airwaves on occasion as well. Yes, she is. And so uh, they were in Morovia, Morovia and uh, they ministered. So uh, if you, you've you heard of the Cyrillic alphabet, which uh, the Slavic languages use, and St. Cyril used that and developed that so he could translate from uh, the Bible from uh, the Latin into the Slavic language. And they also translated the liturgy from Latin into the Slavic language. Well, this caused some problems because a lot of it was political that the German uh, princes at that time were not too happy about the Slavs, ha- Slavic peoples having their own uh, language, their language and their own liturgy and that sort of thing. And somehow or other, these Germanic people, most of whom we know from the Holy Roman Empire and so forth, uh, caused a great stink with Rome, and the brothers were charged with uh, going back to Rome and defending what they were doing, even spite of the fact that they were making many, many converts. Uh, but uh, one, while they were there, the uh, the Slavic people asked to have their own bishops separate from the German bishops, and Cyril and Methodius were appointed bishops, but Cyril unfortunately died before he could get back to the area. And so uh, Methodius, Pardon me, Methodius was the uh, the bishop then, and he still had more problems. Uh, the Pope had appointed a uh, appointed him archbishop, and then he had a Germanic uh, bishop reporting to him. And this uh, Germanic bishop was doing all sorts of things to try to uh, get him in trouble with Rome. So they lived a rather difficult life, and so it's a very special day for from our Slavic peoples because Thaddeus was telling me yesterday that mm-hmm. he and Robin were married in St. Cyril and Lothodius Church. Oh, that's right. In, in uh, Hallettsville, right? Uh, no, in, uh, don't get me to lying now, uh, but somewhere where the painted churches are. Okay, out that direction. Yep, that direction. So. Wow. Okay, well, happy Saints Mithril. <laughs> <laughs> Cyril and Lothodius. Cyril and Lothodius Day. Got my tongue tied and St. Valentine's Day yes. to everyone. What's going on with uh, Red Sea Radio right now? You know, we are in a, a great time of expansion and, and many blessings for our radio station. And uh, many of you know that we are in Central Texas and we actually have in, in the studio today, Mike Kelly with the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men. He'll be interviewed later with others uh, about their conference coming up. But we have expanded to Central Texas Many of you don't know that we are also expanding into East Texas as well as God calls us. We are helping to build a construction permit that was obtained by Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Palestine. Wow. And uh, we've ordered their equipment. They've, uh, get, they've given us the money for their equipment, and we're helping them build it because I've got some experience doing that now. Uh, a couple of times, right? <laughs> yeah, a couple of times. And, and uh, sometimes it's, it's two or three times each time each station to, to fix what I've messed up, but I've, I've learned. And I think this one uh, we pray will go very smoothly as the equipment comes in. And the next month or two, Red Sea Catholic radio will also be heard in Palestine in the East Texas area. That is amazing. Dennis, yeah. how it just, it seems as though uh, things are growing rather rapidly right now. 
Yeah, it, it didn't for the longest time. And we were wondering, okay, why, you know, why are we uh, hitting these brick walls? But now we're ready for it. And uh, God's going, you want to open this one here, this one here, this one here. And so keep us in prayers. And if you know people in the Tyler, Tyler area for their diocese, we are uh, looking to start raising some funds to possibly purchase a station there. So that's our next goal as well is to to get some Catholic radio to the Tyler diocese beyond the small markets that they have already. So if we have some listeners that have friends and relatives in either of those areas, either the Palestine or the Tyler yeah. area, they ought to urge them yeah. to uh, have them contact us, have them contact us and to pray and uh, urge their local bishop and pastor to help us with this particular project. Indeed, indeed. I know their bishop is very excited about the possibility. So uh, just keep it in prayer and donations are, you know, always accepted. But uh, if you need to contact me at Dennis at redcradio.org, that's R-E-D-C, the letter C, radio.org, to let me know any information about East Texas. Or if you have a, a need to call us, you can call me on my cell, 979 979- Two five five two six three three, And Red Sea is going on the road this weekend for the conference. We are. We're going to have a live broadcast at around 1145 to noon, and it's going to go until one o'clock from the Central Texas Fellowship of Men's Catholic Conference. So we're um, going to have a table there to promote everything we do with Red Sea Catholic Radio, possibly get some recordings and testimonies and station IDs and, and to share the good news about our station and to uh, get a great interview with their keynote speaker, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, as well as uh, the other two speakers that are there and a group of men that will be coming in to do uh, a nice live broadcast. So if you want to hear from our new station director from Central Texas, Stephanie Lee will be involved in the interview process. And so we're excited for her to go live on the air for her first live interview with Red Sea Catholic Radio. That's great, Dennis. Just you just have all more more good news than I can handle today. Oh, it's it's a little overwhelming at times, but uh, you know, with God giving us the uh, the charge to do that, He's given us the grace to to move forward. And we uh, just pray, as I always say, my motto is just hope I don't mess it up. Well, <laughs> you've got some people that you call on to help you unmess what you've messed. I've yeah, done. yeah, you've been one of those people to <laughs> to save my skin a few times. So we're very excited about doing that this weekend. So in the noon hour. Tune in to Red Sea Catholic Radio, both here in Bryan College Station and in our sister station in Central Texas, KYAR 98.3, or online, as a matter of fact. We stream both stations online at redsearadio.org. You can hear the best of both stations online, no matter where you are. So if you want to hear your local spots and local information about Central Texas, you have a separate stream for your station there. So if, if uh, somebody is busy with soccer or baseball or dance or whatever during Saturday, will that, uh, what you do there in Austin, will that be recorded and available online? Our intent is to record it, yes. We need to make sure we line up all our ducks in a row to, to get that done. Okay. Yeah, so we can usually record it from, from, from location right there. So. Okay. Yeah, it's exciting times. Uh, God's calling us to, to bigger and, and exciting things beyond our borders here. So keep us in prayers. Yes. Keep yeah. us all in prayers. Indeed. Dennis, why don't we break a little early if we can? Sounds good. We're going to have three different guests here at our, our um, upcoming segment. You want yes. to talk about that real well, quick? Well, we've got Mike Kelly, who's the executive director of the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men. Bill Moyer, uh, he will join us by phone. 
Uh, he is the uh, chairman of this uh, uh, conference this Saturday. And then Ron Gay, who I believe is on the board of Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men. And he will be with us in just a few minutes. All right. We'll be right back for more Red Sea Roundup. Thank you. Welcome back to Red Sea Radio. Again, it's uh, Tuesday, February 14th, and I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. I now have with me two guests here in the studio and one by phone. I've got Mike Kelly, who's the executive director of the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men. Hello, Mike. Hello, Gene. How are you doing this Just morning? Just fine. And Great. in the studio, I've got Ron Gay, who has been on the board and has been very active in the fellowship for, what, seven or eight years? Yeah, at least that. Okay, and then on the phone, we've got Bill Moyer, who uh, has been active, gosh, I don't know how many years, Bill, and you're also the, the uh, main guy for the retreat, uh, for the conference this year, right? Yep, I am the conference coordinator again this year, second time, and, and I'm, a, I'm actually a founding uh, board member of the Central Texas Fellowship, so one of the originals. And Bill... Uh, I understood from Mike when we were talking before the program that you were also uh, the uh, the director of the National Fellowship of Catholic Men when it was headquartered there in Waco. Yeah, it w- went through in uh, after we launched the Central Texas uh, Fellowship of Catholic Men in, uh, in 2005. Uh, we, we met with this uh, with the National Fellowship of Catholic Men with their their executive director at that time, Maurice Bloomberg, and he. Uh, about a year and a half later, uh, Maurice retired, and, and they asked me if I would serve as the executive director of the National Fellowship, and we moved that, that office to uh, Waco, Waco, Texas, where it was for about a year and a half, uh, and, uh, and then I, I helped to, to do some, some things that I, I think hopefully were helpful to the organization, and, and now it's under, uh, uh, under different leadership. But that was, that was a great experience to be able to be part of, of ca- uh, Catholic men's groups all over the country. Uh, Bill, tell me, what is the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men? Since, since you're the one that was there at the very beginning, could you, could you tell us, what is it? I'll tell you, we had that conversation many, many times as we were trying to, to figure out who we are uh, and, and who we want to be. Uh, really, what we are is it's a, an organization. Uh, it's not a membership organization. It's not something you join, sign up for, pay dues to. Uh, it, it, it's a group of men that come together in fellowship, as the name the, the name implies, uh, and what we are is an, is an organization that, that is a kind of a clearinghouse, a, a resource for p- a parish-based men's uh, ministry groups to get started, uh, to provide resources, support, uh, help them to go through all the things uh, necessary to make sure that, that we have a way to reach men and bring them together so that, so that men can become better husbands, better fathers, uh, and, and, and really kind of follow God's call in their life. Now, Mike, you've told me repeatedly that, uh, that Central Texas Fellowship is a ministry to men and not for men. And would you help us understand what that differentiation is? Sure, Gene. I'd appreciate the opportunity. 
I think that there are many ministries within our church, within our parishes, through in our diocese, that call us to service in so many different in, in so many different ways, um, and yet knowing that uh, in, involved in service, uh, we may enter it with a lot of enthusiasm and, and joy. Over time, uh, I've seen men take those uh, take that on. And after a, a few years, it becomes more of a task. It becomes more of a job rather than a joyful ministry. And so um, I, as part of the uh, Central Texas Fellowship, uh, one of the goals is the discipleship of men. And disciples, you know, as we know, um, in their following of Jesus and, and, and uh, that closeness with Jesus, uh, look for opportunities for ministry rather than look for jobs, so to mm-hmm. speak. And so uh, the fellowship recognizes that it's important to uh, that men uh, continue to grow closer uh, in their relationship with Jesus, uh, deeper in their spiritual journey. And as Bill said, for the benefit of their themselves, their family, their parishes, and the communities. So uh, this ministry to men, is, as I've said and you've just asked me about, is really to minister to men without uh, any uh, sense of you know, membership, uh, duties, sign up, but just for men to come together and for men to nourish each other uh, in their journey, walk with each other, uh, support each other as brothers in that continuing journey. And what we have seen, and I could tell you some examples in my own life, uh, recently, what we have seen uh, with that joy of manhood, uh, they reach out and get involved uh, with a passion in those ministries rather than out of a sense of obligation. Now, Ron, uh, you and I were at the beginning of the ministry at St. Thomas Aquinas when it was That Man Is You, and that's developed over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about how that ministry it played out, and it's still going on. Yes. Yeah, we're still meeting Thursday mornings, 6 a.m. at St. Thomas Aquinas. We uh, we have about 25 steadfast fellows who show up every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. And I'm, I thought for a while there it was because we serve a hot breakfast. Uh, but now I know that these guys um, genuinely enjoy uh, the lessons that we have. Uh, we have a video lesson every week. Uh, right now, for example, we're doing Bishop Robert Barron's The Pivotal Players. Uh, last week we finished G.K. Chesterton. Uh, this week we're starting Michelangelo. Uh, and after about a 30-minute presentation, usually, uh, we have our, our discussion groups. And uh, with 25 guys, we have enough men for about three different discussion groups. And they sit at their table and they talk to each other um, about what's going on in their lives. Um, and it's really, it really is interesting when you see young men who are experiencing fatherhood and husbandry for the first time, uh, going through issues and realizing that there's a guy or two sitting at the table who said, Hey, I've done that, been there. Let me help you with, you know, how I, uh, was able to, uh, overcome some of those difficulties. And so in a way is what Mike and Bill have both pointed out, we're, helping the next generation of fathers and the next generation of Catholic men uh, become stronger in their faith uh, and use that faith um, to strengthen their families and their marriages. 
And so these men are learning how to talk to each other about other things other than what sports event they saw on TV last night. Well, there's still a healthy dose of sports events being discussed. Uh, but that's a part of manhood, But that's too. a part of manhood, too. You're right. Uh, but I think we've gone beyond that and um, to the point where, you know, um, when you see some of the things that um, are being discussed in these, in these videos, we've had uh, Bible classes, uh, we've had... Um, a lengthy discussion about the Virgin Mary, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had um, uh, discussions about um, the Mass and the Eucharist and the seven uh, deadly sins and uh, seven virtues of the Church. And all of these things get discussed. And for many of these guys, this is the first time that they've discussed it since their days in catechism class. And you have men coming to that that aren't necessarily from St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, no, we have men from other parishes who come. And I know there are other parishes here in town that have St. Joseph uh, Parish meets. I believe they meet on Monday morning. Yes, they do. Uh, St. Anthony's has something, too, but I don't know that you know too much about it at this point. That's right. And then there's a men's Bible study here at noon on Mondays at St. Mary's. at St. Mary's. So all of these things are building, I think, the body of the church for men. Um, But there are a lot of other... There are a lot of places, like there's several... uh, Men's fellowships in Waco itself are there not? Mike? Absolutely, Bill. You, you both of you probably know a lot more than any either of us do. Uh, we're very fortunate in Waco because uh, I'm a member of Saint Jerome, and we meet uh, on Thursday morning at six o'clock at Saint Jerome. At Saint Louis in Waco, uh, the men meet at uh, six o'clock on Friday morning. In addition to that, uh, I would say that we have a a deanery. Uh, group that meets. In other words, uh, men from the different parishes come together on Tuesday morning. And so uh, uh, to be here with you this morning, I had to make a choice uh, between two goods, and that was to be at that fellowship on Tuesday morning in Waco or come to see you guys. And I, and I, your smiling face, Gene, makes it all worth it. It's, I'm very flattered that you think this was the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so and, and Mike, Mike, I missed you this morning uh, at at that group. That that, by the way, Gene, it, it, that that uh, Tuesday morning group that Mike that Mike missed this morning is the original Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men group. Before we went diocese wide, it started with that group in Waco. Oh, I didn't realize it. I think there's something that's very significant here. In most of these fellowships, it's done it. Six o'clock in the morning. I know uh, for you, Ron, it's over by seven thirty. We're, we're done by seven thirty. So if the the guys have to go to work or get uh, home to help take the kids to school, um, they're out of there and and done. And uh, I think I think that's what's been beneficial for us over the years. So what the 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 real effort is to make it less inconvenient for men to be there. And it's, it's not convenient to get up in time to be somewhere at six o'clock in the morning, but yeah, you still have some guys who say, I just can't make it at 6 AM. But on the other hand, if there's so many activities at noon or in the evening hours and, and those should be for family. And that's what we tell people. Okay. Now there, there are all these things going on in parish parishes and Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men is trying to support and encourage and provide resources to make those happen. But there are two significant events that you support on a regular basis also, right? Absolutely. And uh, you've already made reference to uh, the uh, fifth annual conference that's coming up this uh, this Saturday at St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, 
and that's in, in Austin. Austin. That's in Austin. Uh, doors open uh, at eight o'clock, and uh, program uh, will begin at eight thirty, and run till three o'clock. Uh, so men can be home in time for, uh, you know, uh, dinner with the family and uh, evening events and so <laughs> forth. But it's a great time for men to step back uh, from the uh, normal obligations and, and cares and responsibilities from the uh, uh, our day, very, very hectic day-to-day activities. Um, you know, there's, uh, when you... Constant, we're constantly bombarded. I, at least, I feel I'm. I'm constantly bombarded by um, just uh, uh, the world, uh, the things of the world, very, very ungodly things, the hatred, the violence, uh, promiscuity, and other things that we see uh, on a daily basis. Um, I had an experience a couple of years ago. I had a 12-minute drive to work, and uh, uh, I would have my morning time. Um, reflection, some Bibles, uh, you know, so scripture reading and prayer and feel very, very at peace and ready to start the day. In 12-minute drive, listening to the news, by the time I got to the office, I was in a completely different frame of mind. Um, and uh, I think we're all bombarded with this, plus our personal cares and family concerns. So the day is a great day to step away from all those things, uh, be with uh 700 plus Catholic men for fellowship, uh, time, time to enjoy fellowship, a time, great speakers. I'm going to let Bill talk, uh, jump in here in a minute. Uh, but, uh, and a time to reflect as to where we are in our journey. So what's a little bit about the history. I know that you say it's the fifth annual. Yeah. And, uh, so there, I know that you've had, uh, speakers like, uh, uh, Matthew Kelly was the first. Yes. Yeah. And, and then Father Father Larry Richards uh, and Justin Fatika. Justin, and Justin Fatika, yeah, Justin Fatika, who's a who's a another one of those uh, young uh, Catholic evangelists who just uh, and, and an old protege of Father Larry. Yes, and Father Larry speaks about him fondly, but without cutting any corners on what might have happened. Right. <laughs> As fa- only Father Larry can. Yes, for sure. And and then we had uh, Jesse Romero uh, in, yes. in year three, uh, and the, the Catholic Commando, I think we call him Charlie Ashesman, uh, yes. who who just had a great story. So that was year three. Uh, year four, uh, we had uh, Tim Staples and uh, and Trent, uh, Trent, Trent Horn, Trent Horn, uh, and Trent Horn, uh, who are who were both fabulous. And then this this year uh, we have um, uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, who who is just all over the place. He's on on fire. Uh, he, he was just in the in the Philippines, did a tour there. He's been he, he speaks uh, nonstop. I've never seen someone have a crazier schedule than him. He just has such a passion for the Lord. So so just listening to him uh, will will help us to wake up. Uh, we also have. Uh, in addition, uh, Gus Lloyd from uh, the Seize the Day uh, Catholic Radio, uh, Sirius Catholic Radio, the morning show, who's just back from the, the Holy Land, from a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and uh, and he's a, he's a great apologist, uh, and, and so so he'll open, uh, Deacon Harold will close, and in between, a speaker that 
is really one of my favorites that I that I've done several other conferences with. Robert Rogers is his name, and he's going to talk to us about living a life of no regrets. Uh, Robert, uh, several years ago, about ten years ago, uh, had something happen to him that that we hope none of us ever have to experience. But he lost his wife and his children coming back from a, a wedding, from a great family celebration, uh, and a storm came in and. and Floodwaters were there and swept their car away, and in an instant, uh, in the middle of a happy moment on a car drive home, lost his entire family. Uh, and uh, and how he's recovered and bounced back uh, and and lived a life for God. So it, it's one of the best uh, stories of God uh, uh, of God helping you through, uh, and and also to remind us to live a life of no regrets. And. Th- so many of us have regrets, even maybe about what we did this morning before we got here. And up to this point, I mean, it's it, it, that that message isn't just for those that have experienced lot, but but no regrets. You're right. It's it's uh, we we pray every every Sunday in mass for what I've done and what I've failed to do. Uh, and, uh, and, and a lot of times we have regrets for what we failed to do in our lives. You know, and I, I think from what I understand in hearing various speakers, uh, and my spiritual director, that sometimes, uh, we tend to overlook the things we failed to do and probably they contribute more to our sinfulness than the things that we've done. So I, that's going to be great. It was, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, Hardest questions I ever got asked in in uh, in confession with a with with a great uh, from a, a great priest. It was probably my longest confession ever, where I really uh, had examined my conscience and I had such a long list of what I've done. Uh, and and when I was finished, I I said, "Wow, that feels so so much better to unburden that." And he said, uh, "He said uh, we're only half finished. Let's talk about what you failed to do." <laughs> And uh, and I thought, oh my gosh! And and uh, I, I thought I might still be there right now uh, if I had listed all of those things, uh, if I could even remember. But that that really is a powerful reminder uh, for us that, that 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 so often there's those those little things that we fail to do. And as I recall, uh, during these conferences, there are a number of priests that are available there to hear confessions for those men whose consciences are pricked and decide that they need to, to confess. And, and sometimes those are men that maybe haven't been to confession in 20, 30, or 40 years. Yes, it, it, that's a great opportunity. It, it's a nice, uh, a, a nice time when you just feel called, called for that, and, and, and we just have some, so, some incredible priests in the, in the diocese that, that give of their, their time that will be there to hear confessions during a few-hour uh, time block. Uh, that's available, uh, and and even uh, if if sometime during not during that that slot, if some if a man feels a need uh, a need for that, I think one of the one of the priests would be happy to hear his confession. But but uh, for for sure, that's one of the best one of the best parts because God calls you at that at that moment, uh, and and we we want to make sure we always have that that uh, opportunity available for men. And, and let me just add also that I think one of the one of the best things that have come out of some of these men's group discussions is the fact that we are starting to make men feel more comfortable in their Catholic skin. So things like going to confession, which a lot of men, and I mean a lot of men, find extremely difficult to do, 
we make it uh, by our discussions have helped them get more comfortable with going not only to confession just once, but frequent confession. Um, I, I don't think, um, I think if you were to look at um, Deacon Harold, for example, has written a book uh, called Behold the Man. Uh, and it's an excellent book. And I, w- I would recommend that everybody listening go out and get a copy of that book and read it because, and I'm sure he incorporates a lot of it in his talk, but it's a wonderful book. And one of the things he talks about is becoming comfortable with our um, going to confession and seeking forgiveness because he said, you know, God is just waiting there for you to come and and say, I'm sorry. And so he can start the relationship all over again. And I think that it's it's... I think one of the things that has been most, um, I, I guess, the best thing about the, these men's groups is, is watching men who, for whatever reason, felt uncomfortable about this or that in the Catholic Church suddenly feel very comfortable about So, so the, the, the men's groups and this conference aren't just for men that uh, think they're holy? Absolutely, Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and it might even be for a man that's considered himself estranged from the Catholic Church. Exactly. Uh, if you, for example, were to have listened to Tim Staples last, last year, mm-hmm. um, oh, oh my goodness, here's a, here's a convert to the church who had been, a, I think, a, a Presbyterian minister mm-hmm. prior to his conversion. Um, and he talks about, you know, how... He moved from one who loathed the Catholic Church to someone who is very much in love with the church and all of its teachings. Um, and I think that there's an awful lot of, of guys out there. I mean, for some of us, it was just going through the motions. Uh, we would go to Mass, and we would sit in the pew, and we pretty much make that check mark off every week. Okay, okay, I was there. I did my hour. Now leave me alone. And these groups have opened up every a lot of guys' eyes to the point of, wait a minute, this is something that I can build on every hour of every day. Well, it, it, and that really ties in with the gospel for this last Sunday and the gospel for the coming Sunday, because in, in this past Sunday's gospel, four times Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And this coming Sunday, it'll be two more times, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And what, what Jesus was talking about is going through the motions and doing your checklist as opposed to making a change in, inside uh, who you are. Well, and then passing on that change. Yes. That's the thing. I mean, you know, um, men are, are, st- are, at least some of the men that we are associated with, are starting to realize that um, if I strengthen my faith, it strengthens my marriage. As my wife notices, it strengthens my, my family life because my children notice um, we lament the fact that today there are more uh, young people who say they are none, meaning yes. that they don't belong to any religion. Um, they like to say they're spiritual but not religious. I'm still struggling with what that means. But um, for us to pass on our faith is one of the key jobs that we have as husbands and fathers. I mean, we are teaching these men— that their primary job is not going to work and getting a paycheck. Their primary job is getting their family to heaven. Yes. That's it. That's, I mean, that's your first job. Now, Bill, you've been chairman several times now. Or, so uh, in your experience, have you gotten testimonies from uh, men whose lives were changed because of the conference? Or it made significant difference in the way they were living their Catholicism? 
uh, after every conference, uh, we'll hear things while we're there uh, where men will stop, but those aren't the the the, the really important ones. It, it's uh, a week, two weeks, uh, much longer a- after that. Uh, we'll get emails or little notes, uh, occasional phone calls uh, from from uh, different men that'll talk about. Uh, something that they're doing now that they weren't doing before. Uh, I, I've, I've, got, I've gotten them personally uh, from uh, men, and I, I remember one in particular where he he was kind of angry. He went with his son. It was a father, and he went with his son. His son was part of part of a group, and he invited his his father, who had been away from the church for a long time, just really angry at the church and about life in general. And uh, he was now. Uh, starting to go to the uh, the weekly men's fellowship group with his son uh, and was back in the church and was actually back uh, with his family. He was estranged from his family and was back with his family again. And he only went uh, to the conference because his son invited him and said, this is the only gift I want from you for the rest of my life. Uh, is uh, for uh, birthday, Christmas, anything. The only gift I want, I want you just to go to this conference with me. And it made that much of a and, difference uh, in the man's life. It it, ju- it really just it just woke him up. Uh, it, and I think uh, what he said is is uh, I felt like I was home again. Yeah, so and that's that that's really what happens to us. So uh, as you said earlier, it's not the conference isn't just for the holy. It'd be a really small gathering. Uh, and, uh, but, well, I wouldn't uh, qualify. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it, it would be Jesus and he, he, but it's a men's conference. So I don't know if Jesus could invite his mother. Uh, other than that, there'd be no one else there. So it's, uh, when we look at, at, at those kinds of things that happen, that, that is what happens for, for a lot of us. It's, uh, it, it's just seeds get planted. Uh, so, so sometimes we'll get that kind of feedback uh, a, a day later, a week later, um, but a lot of times it takes longer um, it, it, for, for those things to take root. It just starts the process, and, uh, and, and there, there's a lot of men struggling with a lot of things, uh, and there's a lot of healing that has to happen. Uh, so, so every invitation we make uh, to a man to come and attend that can be just begin that process of uh, of just bringing them home. And uh, let me just also add that sometimes we also hear from the wives um, about how it's changed their husbands, how it's changed their home life, uh, because now their their husband is uh, more dedicated to his faith. Uh, and I've had several wives come up and thank us for having a Thursday morning group that says it's changed their husbands. I I want to make sure that we emphasize the fact that if a man decides to go to this, it's not going to be a day of prayer and fasting. There are going to be some opportunities to eat and to fellowship also, are there not? You want to take that, Bill? Yes, absolutely. Uh, We're going to feed uh, a great lunch uh, uh, catered by Jason's Deli, so we'll have uh, and lots of fellowship time during the during the lunch break. There'll be morning refreshments there uh, and fellowship time uh, before registration and before doors open, uh, and and even on the breaks re- refreshments things. So so plenty of food and and uh, and fellowship time. Uh, there's there's going to be 
prayer, obviously, but but when you look at the packed schedule that we have, three great speakers, three great keynotes, plus a plus some smaller, sh- some sh- uh, shorter talks. Uh, it'll be a time of just a, gr- a great message, but lots of time just to, to fellowship, meet other men, uh, kind of experience the, the bigger church uh, in, in a way where you see beyond just your own your, your own parish. Uh, there'll be lots of vendors there uh, with all kinds of different Catholic articles and, and different things that you might you might use as gifts. Uh, so it, it really is. It's a, it, 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 the best way to describe it is just men getting together and sharing that time of fellowship. Uh, and men like food, uh, so so we make sure we'll feed you well as as part of that. So, although we're talking primarily about uh, parishes that maybe have a ministry to men, where they're encouraging men to go to this, there are probably parishes out there that do not have. Uh, men's ministry or anybody encouraging the men to go to this conference? What would be the motivation for somebody who maybe at this point in time would not have a men's group to go to on Thursday morning or Friday morning or whatever to, to go to this conference? And Because there might be a fear, if I go, then I have to start this thing. Well, I think that, uh, you know, uh, one of the difficult things for me, and I, th- I don't think I'm unique in this, Gene, is that uh, I believe I believe the Spirit is always reaching out, always uh, touching me. The question is, am I listening? And um, so I would encourage men, regardless of whether they're in a parish with an active fellowship, such as uh, Ron's been talking about, or not, that um, that uh, is is am I being called uh, to take a step? Uh, and the conference may be that that opportunity to take a step, to uh, energize energize my faith and uh, uh, my walk with uh, my walk with God. Um, but uh, there may be that uh, a man realizes that uh, he really is hungering for relationship with uh, other men. And he may not, it may not be for him to start a group back in his local parish, but he may be to the catalyst with other men to do that and the, and the help of the pastor. Uh, the, uh, I think that uh, one thing I want to talk about the conference and then continue to address your question. Uh, I can't tell you how powerful it is. You've probably experienced this. I know Ron has and, and Bill to be with uh, 700 plus Catholic men praying together singing together, having an experience together. Uh, anytime I hear all men's voices, I can't tell you how that, uh, how that affects me, uh, how it moves me and says, you know, you know, Kelly, uh, you're up there in Waco, but you are not alone. Uh, and you're, you're not are, making this journey and, by yourself. And, and I recall that there are enough voices that can sing on key that those who sing off key are, are not noticed. Absolutely. Uh, not entirely, but that's... Uh, well, I, I wasn't talking about you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't sing. <laughs> yes. But uh, for those fellows that come to the conference and there's not an active fellowship in their particular parishes, uh, that's the other part of what uh, the, the uh, Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men does. The uh, vision of the fellowship is no Catholic man left behind. And that includes the fellows that uh, are currently involved in their parishes right now and in, involved in, in ministry. Uh, those fellows who, uh, you know, show up on Sunday morning, uh, they may have, uh, they may do prayer and scripture on their own during the week, uh, but they're not engaged uh, in the parish. 
those fellows that Ron said are, you know, in and out for an hour on Sunday morning. And those fellows who are sitting in the parking lot while their families uh, in the church in, in, at Mass or maybe in CCE. So when we think about it, uh, all those Catholic men, no Catholic men left behind is the vision. And, uh, or is the vision and the, and the mission to encourage and empower men to deepen and uh, strengthen their relationship with Christ for their families, as Ron said, and their community. So the fellowship, uh, as part of No Catholic Man Left Behind, is a, that there would be a men's fellowship opportunity in every parish, the 126 parishes across the diocese. Right now we have 30 plus. Uh, we want to see that grow to 50 to 75, 100 plus. Uh, and so the fellowship uh, has the uh, the know-how, the experience in, in working with St. Thomas, with St. Joseph and others, uh, to how do you get a group started? Uh, what's necessary to get a group started? Uh, what are the, you know, the key factors? And in terms of programming, as Ron said, there's a number of different programmings that, uh, programmings that we don't produce, but we are more or less the, uh, clearinghouse uh, as to if you wanted to explore this subject and so forth. So it's, it's help groups get started, help groups sustain and grow and strengthen throughout the diocese. So if somebody wanted to find out some of, a, some of the support, they could go to your website, correct? Absolutely. Which is what? Uh, SentexCatholic.com. SentexCatholic.com? That's C-E-N-T-E-X Catholic.com, no spaces. Well, the only space here is between my ears. Okay? I hear you. <laughs> Now, there, I'm, I'm sure that uh, men here in the Bryan College Station area or men in Waker are saying, good grief, you expect me to get up at, before the sun comes up so I can get in the car and make that big trip to Austin so I can hear a bunch of guys talk and see a bunch of guys there. And, and it's not a sporting event. So what, what is my motivation and and how, what are types of things is uh, Central Texas Fellowship doing to encourage men to go? I know you get some special pricing and some other stuff. Absolutely. Uh, through, uh, through Friday, uh, there's an early bird special of $39. Uh, and uh, at the door, the registration will be $45. We, I don't think that'll keep very many men away. If uh, finances is our problem, reach out to us, let us know, because we have other you know, we've had men that have already offered sponsorships for fellows that might have a financial need, so cost is not an issue. Um, and um, sometimes I think, uh, you know, uh, we get uh, swamped with honeydews list, but, uh, you know, Saturday could just be a day to uh, get away from all those things and say, I'm just going to hang out with a bunch of Catholic guys. As Ron said, I don't think there's any wife that uh, will, will uh, object to that. Now, Ron, you 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 guys from St. Thomas generally have some carpooling going right. on, too, to yeah. relieve the burden, right? Sure, sure. We go in groups, and sometimes the best conversations you have are in the car going to and from uh, the conference uh, with your fellow Catholics. Um, you know, it, if you go one time and listen to the power of these speakers, you will, as you leave that conference, as has happened to several men in our parish, they're already making plans of, I'm going to be there next year um, mm -hmm. because it's that powerful. If you've ever heard Matthew Kelly speak, if you've ever heard Tim Staples speak, uh, once you hear Deacon uh, Burke Sivers speak, 
Deacon Harold, you're going to say to yourself, I've, I've been missing so much in my faith and I want this and I, and I've got to have it. The other thing that, that occurs to me is that most Catholics don't believe that there's anybody that passionate in the church or that can preach like some of these men can or speak like they can. I mean, they think they have to listen to some Protestant radio station or look, go to a Protestant church to hear that kind of preaching and, and, and conversation. Uh, you're you're very you're very correct about that. I mean, there's uh, a lot of people who feel, and and I'm not one of them, but there's a lot of people who feel that the passion is not um, part of the Catholic Church, but it is. And and we have a lot of very passionate Catholics who are capable of of encouraging, evangelizing people uh, uh, to do great things. And these are men, and and men need more encouragement. I think than do women or children. Uh, they need more encouragement and, and a different kind of encouragement uh, than women and children. Yeah. Mike and Bill, what, what types of things do you have as a, a follow-up for men that have gone? Do you, do you reach out to them after they've gone, or, or do you tell them about, have a list of available fellowships within, say, 15, 20 minutes of where they live? Or what, what are some of the things that Central Texas Fellowship does beyond the conference? Certainly what, you, what you've described, Gene, in terms of uh, if men are looking for a fellowship group, uh, we can uh, direct them to one that's either in their parish or close by who the, who the contact is. It's interesting. As Ron said, sometimes we are so closed in on ourselves that we don't even know what's you know uh, around us and what we can take advantage of. Um, and as I said before, if they're interested in uh, starting a group in their, their parish or in their area, uh, we can help them do that, uh, both in terms of the mechanics, uh, the support spiritually, um, and also uh, as far as programming and sustaining. Uh, we stay in touch with uh, the groups uh, on a monthly basis uh, to see how they're doing, what's going on. And so uh, it's not like just, hey, get something set up and then you're on your own. Here's your lemonade stand. You stand out in that corner and uh, uh, God bless you and good luck. Uh, no, it's an ongoing support throughout. Well, throughout I know that, that uh, you make uh, about a monthly trip down here to the Brian Conkle Station area because I see you every time you come. Yes, yes. And uh, so, uh, but unfortunately, it uh, seems like every time I head down to uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, I either have car trouble or they're having a garage sale and not meeting that, that <laughs> week. But I will, I will be back. Well, I know you will. And also, I want to, Ron, you know, you said about carpools from St. Thomas Aquinas. I know that uh, they're carpooling from St. Joseph, too, and and maybe there's some cross. And I'm sure there's some carpooling going on from the Waco area as well. Well, thank you for asking, because we actually have a bus that's coming down from the Waco uh, West, the town of West, uh, Waco, and surrounding surrounding areas. So if men are interested in doing that, they can reach out. Or wives are interested in putting their men on the bus. That's well, yes, and there's some that should be uh, on that bus, on a bus, but I'm not sure which one. <laughs> but uh, we've talked a lot about the conference, and we have uh, about two or three minutes left here. What one of the other things that you support is the annual men's mass, which is in July. Is that not correct? That's correct. That yeah. is correct. That is correct, and that's uh, with the bishop at uh, St. Mary's Cathedral in Austin. Uh, we may have to look at a different venue because uh, this past year, the cathedral was full. It we were about standing room only. That, so that's a great problem to have. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
And so, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's in July. That's in July. Yeah. That's in July, and we get standing room only for men to sit, to have mass with the bishop. But there's air conditioning there. There is, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men really isn't a part of the diocese, is it? Bill, you want to talk to that? We are uh, a, a, an approved, recognized uh, ministry under the diocese. We have a diocese, an Austin diocese uh, board that has a, a, a diocese representative uh, on it as our as our contact person. Our original uh, diocese uh, liaison was. Uh, our spiritual director was uh, Monsignor uh, Michael Mulvey, who's now Bishop Mulvey of Corpus Christi, uh, and uh, and uh, t- today our, our uh, it, it's Father James Misko. Uh, but we always have a diocese uh, staff member, uh, some some representative of the staff, either from the family office or or some other some other department that that sits on our board. So we are recognized by them. We meet. Uh, in the pastoral center, once a month, uh, we have a, a, a board who plans and organizes all our events and, and reaches out that has representatives from most of the deaneries on that, as well as a, a Knights of Columbus representative, because we work together with them. Uh, so we, although we're not a diocese, uh, we're not a department of the diocese. Uh, we operate under uh, uh, with, with their blessing and, and use of their facilities and, okay. and with their recognition. We've got about one minute left, so people need to be aware that that Central Texas Fellowship is under the authority of the bishop and submits to the bishop in all things. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, yes. so we got about uh, 40, 45 seconds. Quick summary from somebody. What? Especially about... Su- Y'all come. Yeah, y'all yeah, come. Y'all come. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and reach out to your parish and see if there aren't some other men going so that you can enjoy the fellowship uh, up and back. Or bar the, the or bar the parish van. Yes. Uh-huh. And also, uh, registration for priests and deacons is free. No charge for de- deacon and, and a student discount uh, price of $25. So grab it. Centex Catholic com for uh, to register more information and just to learn more about the fellowship reach out to that address and you'll get my contact information okay so we're about to wrap up here and so this is Gene Wilhelm and I thank you so much Mike and Ron and Bill for being my guest today men let's get there to Austin this Saturday so anytime that you have a choice between the values of the world and the values of heaven Always round up. Bill, thank you so much. I appreciate it.